Ty was just talking about an awesome God, and uh, I'll show you how awesome He is as He left His Word for us to study that we might know who we should become. And we live in a society today that is, Christianity is really becoming under attack. And we have some words today that were given to Joshua by the Spirit of God. Listen to the words. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God bless his reading. Good morning, church. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, please. Hebrews chapter 11. Before we get to the lesson, I'm going to ask something personal this morning, please. Um, it's my second week back in front of you since we made the return from our mission trip in Ghana. Uh, that's what's circled there on the map. That's the um, western part of Africa. That's Ghana that's circled. And we were actually up in the northeastern part of that particular uh, nation. We've been back for about two weeks. Um, and there's still a lot of adjusting that's going on, I'm finding out, both in my body as well as in my, my spirit and my mind. Um, your prayers, as I said last week, carried us through that trip. And I'd like to ask for an extension of about seven days. As our team, especially this week, begins to sort through and talk about, um, even on a greater detail than we did on the trip, uh, the future plans for that particular mission point. Uh, but even more than that, we're sorting out some stuff, not just with what took place there, but what took place here as God took us um, on a journey that had nothing to do with miles or continents. It had to do with Him. And so I, I'm asking that for the next seven days. I know you've got a lot of things that you're praying about. Uh, but would you add the Ghana mission team uh, to your list for seven more days? And I really would appreciate that. If faith is believing that what doesn't exist can exist because God exists, we spent eight days there in Ghana serving in a living, breathing, amazing work of faith. The Bazua Christian Academy didn't exist 15 years ago at all. But it does now because some faith-filled people believed that where a Christian school didn't exist, it could exist because God exists. And I just want to show you um, the joyous group of people who are helping to pour their lives into 300 students on a daily basis there in Bazua, Ghana. Um, now, if you're good at Where's Waldo, find the missionaries in that picture, okay? <laughs> What a great group of folks, and I can tell you, it, it was a joy to be able to be at their daily devotional, Monday through Friday, that they have from 7.30 to 8, where they study the Word of God before they go and teach those kids on behalf of God. It is an amazing place. Amazing things are going on there. And those kids are exposed to the Word of God literally every single day. But what I'm excited about is they're exposed to these people who love God and are trying to serve God and pour their lives into them for God because I believe with all my heart that as much as anything is making a huge impact on what God's hoping to do in Africa. If that's what can happen 
in a remote zone like Africa with so little resources. I got to tell you, a question came back with me on the trip that's primarily this. If God could do that there, what could he do with us here? I just described a school that sits right in the heart of the Muslim ideology, the Muslim religion. Most of the people around there do not believe in Jesus Christ. That's changing on a daily basis, literally. The Christian faith is growing in leaps and bounds in Africa, maybe as much, if not more so, than any other continent in the world. But I got a chance to see what the seeds of faith, when they're watered with love, and when they're watered with hope, and when they're watered with faith, what, what they can become. And so God's brought me home with the question, what could we do here if we had faith? That what didn't exist can exist because God exists. In the lives of foster kids who need parents. In the lives of unwed mothers that need a place to restart their lives. In the lives of fatherless boys who need a male mentor in their life. In the lives of marriages that need intimacy and closeness and oneness in their life. In the lives of men and women who need jobs so they can provide for their own life. In the lives of addicts that need freedom. In the lives of relationships that need forgiveness where there's only bitterness right now. What would happen if in all of those circumstances and those relationships I've just mentioned where something good and holy and loving took place that doesn't exist? Because some people who believe that it could exist because God exists. What could happen? You ask me, well, Jimmy, where do you get a faith like that? I want to point you this morning to a book in our New Testament. It's called the book of Hebrews. And a particular chapter in that book, Hebrews chapter 11, where the writer of that letter to some Christians who, to be honest, are struggling with their faith. They need a transfusion of faith in this book of Hebrews. You don't have to read very long when, when you read for the very first time that someone's writing in a letter to Christians, listen, don't give up going to church, let alone be the church. They're just trying to get them to come to church, come together as a church. The writer reveals in one part of his letter that, wow, the faith promises that they thought were going to be so great and so awesome, the promised land that they thought they were going to be stepping into, and it looks like promised failure. Because of all the challenges they've been meeting, all the difficulties and the trials and the tests they've been living under. And so some of them are saying, you know, Egypt looks pretty good. And just like the old Israelites who, who looked back to Egypt and wanted to go back to Egypt, here are these Christians who want to turn their gaze away from making Jesus as Lord to them being Lord again of their own lives. Thank you very much. And so you've got this writer of Hebrews who's trying to, to define for them what this faith in Jesus still looks like. We saw the definition last week, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. But he wants to do more than that in Hebrews chapter 11. That's the def definition up there in verse 1. He wants to not just define it, he wants to demonstrate it. And he does it by, by pointing to some people. And you know, when I found my whole life long in trying to encourage people to follow Christ, that's the same thing. I can define, I can, I can look in the Greek, but if I can show you people who are walking by faith, it's amazing how that just invigorates your own faith. And that's what the Hebrew writer is going to try to do this morning. And I want us to take a journey, loosely, but a journey through this chapter over the next several weeks. If God brought you here this morning 
Because to be honest, you need a faith infusion. I want you to know he's not going to change the significance of faith in your relationship with him. I'm sorry. It's still going to be the way in which you're saved. He's not going to change that. You having faith in this God is going to be the hinge on whether you're saved or not. He's not going to change it. It's impossible to please him without it. Won't change that. He's not going to change that the only thing that matters to him is your faith in him expressing itself through love. He's not going to change that priority of faith in your relationship with him. But I will tell you this. He will do what the Hebrew writer tried to do for that church. He'll do that for you. He'll try to inspire you with what it means to be a, a person of faith. One of the folks that earned the dubious distinction of being called the father of faith is a guy by the name of Abraham. And that's the fellow we're going to take a look at this morning in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. But before we do, let's, let's ask God's blessing on that, all right? Wow, God. I, I'm the first to admit I believe, but I need help with my unbelief. It seems like in my heart, in my spirit, it's so much bigger than my belief. And God, I, along with my brothers and sisters, we're inviting you. Grow it in us. Give it life. Breathe on it with, with the breath of your spirit. Breathe on it with your love. Breathe on it with your truth. Breathe on it with your hope. Open our eyes, open our ears this morning to hear once again how we can be a people of faith. But inspire us to be a people of faith. We're not the only ones who need that, God. I, I'm going to lift up Holy Cross Lutheran Church this morning as they gather together and, and, and to break bread and to pray and to lift up their voices in praise and honor, reverent praise and honor to the God of all gods, the King of all kings. Would you increase their faith along with ours? Will you help us become a a community of faith. Not just that uses that, that word like some kind of a slogan, but we become people who really believe that what can exist can come into existence because of, of you, God, because we believe you exist. In Jesus' name we ask us and everyone said. I saw an old Peanuts cartoon a couple of weeks ago that made me smile. I couldn't find it again. I don't know where I saw it. I lost it. But all I remember was, in the first frame was Lucy. She's looking up from a coloring book, watching her grandmother play with her baby sister. She's just cooing and smiling. She's enraptured with all of it as she holds her baby sister. And Lucy says to her little brother Linus, Oh, I can't wait to be a grandmother. <laughs> Next frame. Linus looks up from his coloring Kind of stone cold says, well, to get there, you're going to first have to be a wife and a mother, all right? Last frame. It's Lucy frowning. She says, yeah, it's all those preliminaries. <laughs> oh, That's true of all of us. That's what gets us. All those preliminaries that come with things that we, we see that we'd like to get a hold of or be a part of. I know there's some of you here in this room who've seen what it's like to be a part of a state championship fill-in-the-blank. Track team, my daughter got a chance to be on one of those. Football team, maybe for you. Maybe it's band, be a part of a championship band. Maybe it's be a part of a championship. I don't know what the championship is, but you've seen somebody 
And you're saying, man, I want to be a part of that. Well, but there's all those preliminaries to get there. Somebody says, I want to be on Good Morning America, being interviewed for that bestseller that I just wrote. And Lucy would say, yeah, but there's all those preliminaries to get there. I want to have a set of abs like the Bowflex guy. I don't know if that's even possible at 55 years old, but I'd like to have a set. And Linus reminds me, oh, yeah, but remember, there's all those preliminaries. I'd like to get less greedy. I'd like to be more understanding in tense conversations. I'd like to have a more courageous faith. But Scripture reminds me, really? <laughs> Can I remind you, Jim? There are some preliminaries to getting to those places too. This morning, see if you agree with me about this. Often I want to go to places that require a path that God's going to lead me to. I don't want to go. Often there's places that I want to go that require this, this path, this, this way, this journey. That's really not how I want to go, but I know the place that I want to go. And God's going to show us this morning, I need for you to get very, very comfortable with a God who knows where, even when you don't. I want to, to be a person who's patient, but I, I really don't want you, God, to put me in any situations where it actually requires some patience. I want to be kinder to those around me, but please don't put me in situations where I have to choose between a need someone else has and something that I want. Help me be a leader, God, would you? But would you help teach my followers to follow better and not me to have to be such a servant to them? I'd like to develop a slow refuse, but, but I'd rather you not put me in conditions that set me off, if you know what I mean. So often, we don't like the path that God leads us on to places that we want to go. And so I want to say it again. One of the things that God wants to do is to call you to know he's a God who knows where, and that's enough. He's a God who knows where, and that's enough. God wants to take us individually and collectively as a church to places that require us to make journeys that we'd never choose. You go, really? Yes. Because over and over and over again, from the cover to cover of this book that we call the Word of God, God says, that's what I do with people. Next week, we're going to look at a couple of things about Abraham's life that I think are going to increase our faith even more than the one that this week we're looking at this week. We're going to start with a God who knows where. Next week, we're going to take up with a God who knows how and a God who knows when. But this morning, I'm going to plant a seed of faith in our heart that we serve a God who does know where. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8, here's the text that we're going to jump off in. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. <laughs> That's an easy verse to read in Scripture, isn't it? It's nuts. By faith, Abraham, when called to a place that he would later receive as an inheritance. That's all good. That's the destination I think all... We like getting inheritance. That's a good thing. But he obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going to get that thing. In Genesis chapter 12, God comes to a man by the name of Abraham and he's living in a place called Ur. If you didn't know where Ur was, it's the place where the Tower of Babel used to be. Well, that was kind of interesting. Abraham's made a home there. He's kind of comfortable there. He's known 
for being Abraham there. And God says, I want you to leave this place and come go with me to, well, I'll let you know when we get there. And he goes. He leaves what's comfortable. He leaves where people know him. And he knows them, what he's familiar with. And he goes to a place he doesn't even know where he's going. That's nuts. It's crazy. And there's a ton of questions that we want to ask about this. Who is Abraham anyway? What makes him so special that God would want to talk to him in the first place? How did the voice sound? Was it something that happened inside? Was it a thought? Was it an actual audible thing? Number three, how did Abraham hear it? Did he question the the conversation at all? Or did he know immediately, that's got to be God? And here's the answer. I don't know. (laughs) Because scripture doesn't fill us in with that. We have no clue. We don't have a clue who Abraham was or what the voice sounded like or what his first impressions were when God has this conversation with him. What significant scripture wants us to note is this, that Abraham followed a God who he believed knew where. And he was good with that. And the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11 calls that faith. Faith. I think one of the most difficult things that God's going to ask any of us if we try to become a follower of his, and truly not just a member or an admirer, but a follower of his, one of the most difficult things he's going to ask any of us is that we venture after him, venture towards some things, and he asks us to walk down paths we never would have chosen if we got to be the chooser. And that is unsettling. And here's what God's going to say to us. Get used to it. Get used to it. If you truly want to be a person of faith, and the disciples come to Jesus in Matthew and say, would you increase our faith? And if you'd like one of, you're like one of those disciples, and you'd say, well, me too. Increase my faith. He's going to say, well, then get used to being unsettled. Because to grow your faith up, I'm going to have to unsettle you. I'm going to have to uncomfortable you. Is that a word? It is now. Get used to it. Now, practically, that looks this like this. Some of you walked in here this morning with some hurts in your life you've gotten pretty used to. I mean, they're almost with you daily. You remember them. You may not be in them anymore, but they're with you. And they seem to overshadow and be a part of everything that you do or don't do. And God is going to ask you to leave your err. And to move out and move on with him. There are some of you who walked in here today with some great successes in your life. Great successes. Admirable successes. And you know when it's one thing to relive those? It's one thing to go back and kind of be a part of those again. But if you do that too often, all of a sudden you're, you're substituting reliving for real living. And God would rather have you really live now. And so he's going to ask you to leave some successes, to leave some hurts, and to move on with him. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. After he's just listed both, some things he's been very successful in, some things he's really suffered through, and he says, you know what? I'm leaving all that behind, pressing on to the upward call of Christ that is mine in Jesus. And he's asking the church there at Philippi to do the same. And I'm asking the church here in Kerrville to do the same. And that's going to take faith in a God who knows where, and a people who are willing to be unsettled in the process. 
one of the most difficult sections of my life for me to do that was when my uh, girls hit puberty and found boys. I'll never forget a conversation I walked in on uh, after I'd come home from work and my oldest daughter was talking about this young man that she liked. That's all that was allowed in our house, at least for them to mention, okay, as far as connection with the opposite sex, liked. But I saw in her, her eyes lighting up in a way that she only lit up for me. And I saw her in her voice, I heard in her voice an excitement that was usually reserved just for me. And I did not know this young man, but I didn't like him at all. Because I knew his kind. And God asked me, even in that moment, are you ready to let go of her? Are you ready to let go of being the most significant male in her life? And I said, no. Not yet. 35 is the age that I have in mind, God. 35, what do you think? I was the most significant male in my girls' lives, and I, I liked that. I was a success in my life. I was a success in their eyes, the way they spoke about me and talked about me and reacted towards me. And now all of a sudden I'm seeing some other guy beginning to take that place. That's a good thing. It's something that, that actually I wanted to have happen. And God was asking me to begin to let go of that so that it could happen. Remember the song we sang together as a church a couple of years ago? You probably remember the tune of it. It's really only two words. Things change. They do. Good things and bad things. Hurtful things and joyful things. People get married, they get divorced. Babies are born, babies die. Jobs are lost, promotions are offered. If I try to hold on to any of it in yesterday, then I miss that on today and all of its wonder and mystery and challenges and frustrations. So Paul says, come on. <laughs> no matter whether it's hurt you or whether it's been a great success in your life, I'm asking you, move on, all right? We got, we got some other things God has in store for us. Stay unsettled, all right, because that's going to be a part of what it means to walk by faith in Jesus Christ. God is going to constantly be taking us from one familiar place to an unfamiliar place. And I want to remind you, church, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's an unsettling thing. It's an uncomfortable thing. But if you are serious about growing in your faith, it's something you've got to get used to. The old fisherman. And Peter says to a group of folks that he's introduced to the Son of God, friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Every one of you in this room, God likes your body, but he loves your soul. Now he loves your body. He, he loves the whole process about you. But you know what's going to live on? That body's going to be stuck in the ground and maybe get eaten by fish one day if you die at sea. And we put you at wherever we put you or whether we burn you up and, and sprinkle your ashes over someplace. Your body's going to be gone. Your soul's going to live forever. And so he's most interested in your soul growing and maturing because that soul is going to take on a new body. A brand new body, he says one day, and we're going to step into a life that has no end. This one has an end, have you noticed? Been to a funeral lately? You will be if you haven't. Because that body's going to die. But that soul he's most interested in, and this is just the intro, just the intro to the life that we're going to live forever and ever. And so he's got to get you ready. And so you've got to stay unsettled. You've got to. Do not for a moment think that this is home. Don't get cozy here. 
you, you feel like you're on a camping trip, all right? I'm in a, in a, anybody here read the Midford series of books? Everybody needs to read the Midford series of books. Just a great family book for everyone to read. Well, the, the, the minister there and his wife had just gone camping. And I thought, wow, what a, what a timing for this. That, that's really what life's supposed to be. Like we're on a camping trip here. Nobody gets to drive their tent pegs in too deep. Nobody gets to bring bricks with them on the trip, all right? But there's a lot of us who are brick people in here. I'm one of them. I kind of admire the pig at the end of the story, right? He made the house out of bricks and not straw and whatever the other stuff was. I'm a brick guy. I like being in places for a long time. My resume says that about my preaching and my wanting to be a part of a church. But you know what? God says, hey, this is tent stuff here. Stay mobile. If not physically, stay mobile emotionally. Stay mobile mentally. Stay mobile theologically. Because God may not be asking you to leave Ur as far as a physical place, but listen to me, church. One thing I know he's asking you to do is to grow and to leave a perspective and a knowledge you have of him to one that's even bigger and more deep and more meaningful and more accurate. That's unsettling, isn't it? Yeah, but we say, but I, I want to know him more. I want to love him more. I want to grow more. And we go, really? Then get used to this. Because that's what it requires to grow in faith. Abraham was asked to leave Ur. And he didn't, he didn't get to know where he was going. But he trusted a God who knew where. And that same God is leading you, sister. And he's revealing himself in ways or at least he wants to, that you've never experienced before. So I want to remind you, through Abraham, of an incredibly significant means to growing in faith. And that's to stay mobile. Now, I've said that kind of like an individual, uh, speaking to you almost as an individual, but I'm saying that to KCC as a church. There's some things as a church that God's going to lead us to we haven't even begun to imagine. I believe that with all my heart. Having been to Africa and see what he can do there with so few resources through so few people, oh my goodness. <laughs> the church that we were at that had four churches come together, they only had about 125, 130 people. We've got most of our folks on vacation and we're double that large, almost triple. What could he do with us here? Who could he reveal himself to be with us here? It certainly has to be more than just some new meaning of some Greek word that some preacher tells us about. Oh, my, Cynthia, wasn't that interesting what we heard today? Ur was the old town of Babel. I'm just so deeply moved. We're not just going to have some new name that we learn of God. For me to say Jehovah Jireh is one of God's names. For some of you, that's like, really? He had a different name than Jehovah or a different name than Yahweh? Yes, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. There's a lot of different names. Oh, well, how interesting. Really? He really doesn't care how interested you are in his names. He wants you to believe in his name and trust in his name and to be willing to lay your life down for that name. That's what he's most interested in. And so I was going to say, as a church collectively, folks, we've got a lot more to learn about God than just some nuance of a Greek word or some new name for him. We've got more to learn about unity. We've got more to learn about prayer and Holy Spirit and outreach and discipleship and worship than we have ever experienced in our lives. Are you ready for it? I didn't think so. 
because it's unsettling. One of the outcomes of the trip for me was hearing God say in multiple ways, <laughs> after we had jetted 16 hours to get there. That's just the air flight time. So you think that that's, that's a stretch, Jim. <laughs> that's only one little piece of the globe, which is only one little piece of that little rock that's in that Milky Way galaxy. That's the one only galaxy in amongst billions of galaxies. You think that that was a stretch? Buckle your seatbelt. Are you ready? And I'm like you. I said, I don't know. I don't know. I believe. I'm going to need some help here with my unbelief. I've, I'm grateful that God includes <laughs> in his word uh, some people who are trying to take these this baby steps of walking by faith and not by sight. That's why I love him throwing in Acts chapter 16. And in Acts chapter 16, you're going to find... <laughs> One of those guys who, who kind of liked where he was, uh, killing Christians. His name was Paul. And God comes to him, and he has a conversation probably pretty similar to the one that he had with Abraham, and says, hey, I want to take you someplace. I want to take you to the Gentiles, to the people that you're trying to kill, but you're kind of you're messing that up, all right? It means some change is going to have to take place. You think you know me? <laughs> and Paul would tell you, listen, I know God. Inside and out, Bible cover to cover. I know him. And God says, you don't have a clue, son. Could he be saying that to any of us here? Really? I hope to every one of us he's saying that. You don't have a clue who I am. Come on. Get used to being unsettled. Get used to not knowing where because I'm going to take you some places if you put your hope in a God who does know where. He does that with Paul. And Paul was blinded by it has a change of heart, and instead of killing Christians, before you know it, he's trying to win Christians to Christ. It's nuts. And then they record for, for us one of those events in Acts chapter 16. And, and here's this guy who's close to God, who's given up everything for God, and is following Jesus Christ. And, and uh, he says, you know, I'd kind of like to go to Asia. And here's what the Bible says about that. The Spirit would not let him go there. He says, well, uh, I'd kind of like to go to maybe Turkey. And the Spirit again says, um, no, you're not going there. But in a dream that night, he says, I'm taking you to Europe. And Paul says, great, let's go. And so they head off to Europe. And you know what happens when he gets to Europe? He gets thrown in jail. <laughs> An earthquake happens. And by any of us who are getting his letters back from home and he's describing what's going on here, we're going, I think you missed it, Paul. I think you missed it. Until later that night when the chains fall off and a man who's about to commit suicide doesn't commit suicide because Paul tells him about Jesus Christ and he and his whole household are baptized that night. Paul thought Asia. Paul thought Turkey. That's where he thought he wanted to go and God says, I, I need you over here in Europe. And the path that I'm going to take you there is not going to be one that you would have chosen at all. But there's a jailer and his wife and kids there that you're going to need to get to know so that I can have a beachhead in Europe. And that's not something that you would have done, but it's something that I'm doing. And Paul, like Abraham, said, I don't care. You're the God who knows where. I'm in. I'm in. I experienced a small taste of that Thursday. My boss at Oak Hills 
His name is Greg Effinger. His mother died unexpectedly Monday. And that took us all aback because we weren't expecting that. She had recovered from some cancer, was doing phenomenal, but I mean just a sudden death. And the funeral was on Thursday, so I made arrangements to go. He and I, he not only is someone that I worked with closely and respect closely, but we're good friends still. We, we still hunt together. He's still come down here uh, to the Knights Ranch with me. I've gone up to uh, a place of his family's. Still close friends. And so I made arrangements to go 2 o'clock on uh, Thursday. Get in the car, get ready to leave about 11.30. You know, plenty of time to get to that part of San Antonio. It's Journey Fellowship right on the outside of the loop over there on loop uh, 1604. And I hit Bernie right about there in Leon Springs, and there's been an accident. And I sit there for an hour and a half, and I don't make the funeral. As soon as I cleared the one car, it was in one of those places where they're repairing it and there were just the barriers on both sides, and so it didn't take much to just shut the whole thing down, and it did. As soon as I passed the one car, the next exit was the Bernie Stagecoach exit, and there was a Bill Miller's, There Is a God. If there's something that's going to cure what ails you when you've kind of had your agenda that you set for the day and you're not going to get to go and be a part of that, and i got to tell you, I was a little upset with God. I wasn't really thrilled how he had used our time on that day. But I needed some barbecue. Pulled into Bill Miller's. Got my ribs and brisket. Was checking out. The lady said, hey, you having a good day? And I looked at her and I said, to be honest, no, ma'am, it's pretty rugged. And instead of just checking me out and saying, well, okay, that's great, she said, well, tell me why. Very few people ever say that. And I said, well, to be honest, I said, a good friend of mine's mother died, and I was on my way to San Antonio. And um, you're probably aware about the accident. She said, yeah, we've had several people come in just recently that, that were stuck behind it. I said, well, that means I, I couldn't go. I said, it kind of stinks. She said, yeah, it does stink. And for some reason, I added this next line. And I, I don't do this a lot, but I did that day. I said, you know, but I serve a God who takes stinky things and turns them into good things. And as I was moving my tray, something just snapped inside her. And she just beamed and said, give me five that we serve a God who turns stinky things into good things. <laughs> and I started to walk away and she said, mister, you're not going to know how important it was for you to say those words. But I needed to be reminded. I needed to be reminded. Thank you. I said, you'll never know how important you noticing because I need to be reminded too. I was sitting down about halfway through my brisket and my ribs, and all of a sudden, I got a little nudge inside. I got a little message inside. It says, remember when you were brushing your teeth this morning, and you said to me, I give you my whole day. You do with it what you want. <laughs> he said, I did, whether you liked it or not. And you know what? I didn't. I didn't know why, and I didn't know where. And you know what? He let me see it on that day. And for those of us who've walked with him very long, that's pretty rare, isn't it? The greater fact is that if I want to go to a destination of greater things in this life, of loving people more, of becoming more mature and being a man of integrity, of learning to love a wife like a wife's supposed to be loved, of learning how to be a dad like a dad's supposed to be, of learning how to be an employee like an employee's supposed to be, God's going to get me there, but he's going to take me most of the time on paths I don't want to go. Amen? Okay, we're tracking. 
That's faith if you hang in there and go with him. Proverbs 3 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend upon your own understanding. But in all your ways I'm asking you acknowledge him and he will make straight. And somehow or another that got erased. Your paths. He will make straight your paths. And here's why that's significant. Because he's not going to usually let you know what those paths are. Here's why. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. So don't even try. (laughs) Just know that he's a God who knows where. And he will get you there. His paths are going to be different than any you ever could have imagined on how to be that better wife and how to be that better employee and how to be a better brother, how to be a better church member, how to be a better elder, how to be a better whatever. The paths are not going to be ones you would have chosen, but hang in there, friend. Keep your eyes fixed on him, the Hebrew writer is going to say in Hebrews 12. The author and perfecter of our faith. That's what he's growing. That's what he's perfecting is our faith. And his paths are unsearchable. Ray Stedman said, often God does not tell you the destination until you've already arrived. Experience that Thursday. You know what I'm finding out? The destination isn't as important as a light that leads you there. Missionary in Africa during the 1950s was infamously known as Papa John. I don't know if they named the pizza after him or not, but he was taking a young missionary in Africa, very similar to those young missionaries that went on this last trip. The man was traveling with him, and he made a comment as he was walking behind Papa John. Here's what he said. That flashlight of yours sure doesn't give off much of a light. And Papa John said, no, but it shines as far as I can step. I like that. We sing a song often. Oh, God, you are my God. And I will never praise you. Step by step, you'll lead me. I like that song because it's true. The question is, will you follow him all your days, even when it doesn't look like a place you want to go? Two quick do's and don'ts. Don't mistake faith as a struggle to stay where you are. Do expect faith to be a struggle to journey to only God knows where. Don't be so easily convinced that God isn't speaking. Do be concerned if you're listening. Here's why I say that, because of what Jesus says here in John chapter 10 and verse 4. Chapter 10, verse 2. The one who enters by the gate, which is him, the shepherd of the sheep, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, because he's a good leader, And his sheep follow him because they're good sheep. Because they know his voice. Sure, there's a lot of talking about voices there. Don't be so sure that these people that God's speaking to in Scripture are special people. Jesus said over 15 times in the Gospel, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It could be you're not listening. We're going to talk about that more in depth as we get into the study. But I want to leave you with this. 
I know you don't know where he's taking you. But I'm asking you this morning to put your trust and faith in a God who knows where. It's the seed of faith that will get you there. And I promise you, there will be preliminaries that are a little bit challenging. But they're worth it. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for um, not allowing us to get comfortable, not allowing us to be settled. Thank you for being rudely gracious, for continuing to come into our lives. And even when we're whining and complaining about what we don't like for the moment, the path we happen to be on for this second, we don't like where we are for the moment. God, we, we want to be with you. We want your heaven. And we're inviting you to help lead us there to help us with the faith that we need, to put us in the situation that grows and mature us so that we can increase that faith, surround us with people of faith. God, don't let us stay here. And if you brought someone in here today who is ready to begin that journey, to step into the preliminary of saying, I, I, want, I believe, and going public with that and being baptized into your son's name, would you bring him up here in a moment? And if you brought someone here today who, who has some hurts, or who has some successes you're trying to pry their fingers off of. And they need some help. They need a brother or sister praying over them and for them to do that. Would you help them go to one of our, our shepherds here in a minute? To step out with a little bit of courage that, that this prayer this day could make a difference. Thank you. Thank you for never letting go. Thank you for not giving in to our complaints and our whining and our frustrations. Thank you for being God and loving us enough to know where, even when we don't. In Jesus' name we praise you. And everyone said,